What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good. Tracy Brown, how are you? Oh, I was just waiting good. for everybody to actually answer that, even though I wouldn't be able to hear yes, their answer. Yes. It's a really insincere question. How are you today? And how could you be any way but great if you're saying yes to spirit? <laughs> you know, I uh, have become quite the texture in the last few years, and um, I always capitalize the word good. When someone says, you know, how are you feeling or how are you, I always say I am good, and, you know, the part of kind of just affirming that, that good in capital letters, I think that's kind of fun. The capital G are all all letters. letters. In fact, my... You know it's a four-letter word. (laughs) I had not thought of that. I had not thought of that. But now it's to the point where my phone will default to a capital good. If I start typing geo, it automatic even if I have it on lowercase, because I've written it so much, I guess. I don't know how that works, but Yes, autocorrect. Is that what that is? yeah. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Good, you know. It's like good exclamation point. I love it. Affirm it. That's what happens when you say yes to spirit. I'm on a cliff and I want to jump, but I'm good, right? Is that no? That's not not the typical description Ah. of good, of feeling good, (laughs) being good, but uh, I have no judgment. (laughs) Thank you, Tracy. It could be a good choice for you. Is the river flowing, right? Is that the the river flowing is the I am good. The human experience of I'm going to jump off the cliff is transient. Oh, no, it's going to be one of those days. So if this is your first time listening to Say Yes to Spirit, um, just buckle your seatbelt because this is how it goes for the next 55 minutes. Uh, We've been doing the show since March of 2010. Wow. And it gives us an opportunity to remind ourselves that We each, individually and both of us together, have made a commitment to say yes to spirit in our lives and how we show up, and um, we need reminders. Oh, my goodness, yes. So this gives us an opportunity to remind ourselves and to remind you. Each week we start with a theme, and our theme for today is family. And we've actually done family once before, a couple, two or three years ago. Um, and I had an intention that I would go back and listen to see what we said then. But of so we course, wouldn't say the same thing. Or well, no, just out of curiosity. Ah. What you know? What, what did we say then? <laughs> but I had a very busy week, so I didn't get around to that. So we'll just see what happens with family today. Um, but before we dive into that, we always uh, try to connect the dots. Be tr- I'm sorry, we don't try. <laughs> yeah, we don't use that word ever. Leslie Ooh. always connects yeah. the dots between our most recent topic and today's topic. And so... I'm saying obsessively and compulsively, I have to. I don't have to say that. There you go. Anybody who's listened five times knows this. (laughs) It makes me feel safe and secure to have routine and ritual. I think that's important. Now, creativity, family. I told the story about creativity last time about the idea that my mother, I was little, told me that I couldn't draw and couldn't participate in making her uh, teacher's bulletin board each year, and she would have my best friend do that because she was creative and I was not. And that kind of, sort of, you know, that was what, I'm 52, and that would have been 40 years ago. Or more. Or more, correct. 
so uh, the idea would be how embedded some of those family messages can be would be my connect the dots. That you know, it really is um, fascinating until I make different conscious choices how automatic pilot can be like so self-destructive. And I'm having this image of the automatic pilot in my plane being set like at a course towards the mountain. I'm having a lot of like subtle <laughs> ideation. But anyway, so like, and if I kept my automatic pilot on some of those messages that I received as a child and family, that would be exactly kind of the trajectory of my human experience would absolutely be flying into the side of a cliff. And I guess my idea is that uh, I can have a choice to create with spirit within, uh, you know, a different auto course. Let go of all that old family false beliefs. There's my creativity and and you're family. creating a connect the dots between creativity <laughs> yes, yes, yes. and family. I think I created it. And a fine creative dots it is. So we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in about a minute. So hang with us, and we will be right back on Say Yes to Spirit. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie, and our theme today is family. So, you know, on the on the show page, we asked two questions. What does family mean to you? And how does saying yes to spirit help you interact with your family? And although as I read those out loud now, I think, well, that's a leading question. How does saying yes to spirit help you interact with your family? And my brain inserted interact with your crazy family. <laughs> that, like we're bringing any baggage to the show or anything like that. Saying yes to spirit, of mm-hmm. course, keeps me calm when they're being completely ridiculous. <laughs> but well, but that's funny because actually that's not how I describe my family. Oh, right? really? I have oh. great relationships with my two sisters who are living. Both of my brothers um, have passed, have made their transition, and um, my dad is is also dead physically, and um, I haven't had a relationship with my mother since I was in my 20s, and I don't have any... You say that so casually. Go ahead. Well, no, and it is. <laughs> it's very casual. It's just like a fact. There's oh. no charge. Oh, there's the no charge in that. There's a huge charge, but go ahead. Yes. Well, that's I, the therapist I, you. <laughs> when I was in my teens yes. and 20s, there was, was a charge. huge charge. Yes. But after doing all the work... There you go. It was a conscious choice, and so there's no, I mean, you know, there's no charge with it now. It's just kind of, oh, my family, my, I would never say my crazy family. I would say my family, and every one of us is unique, but, um, yeah, so that's funny that that came into my head. <laughs> Maybe it's your crazy family of choice, and you now chosen to surround yourself with people that don't include me in that, <laughs> outside of to give it how crazy I am. Well, so let's go back to the first question. What does family mean to you, and how do you define it? And so I think that's right. You know, family, your birth family, mm-hmm. the family, your family, quote-unquote, family of origin, as sociologists would say. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the family of choice, which in my 
between age 20 and 40 spent a lot of intentional energy in creating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. These are the people who are my family. Mm -hmm. Is it your church family because you're part of your, your family at school or work, some human community that you are a part of? Mm-hmm. Is it your is it the human race? Humanity oh. as your family? Or is it your spiritual family? I mean not not church, but you know, in terms of spirit, that all of life, not mm-hmm. just human beings, but all of life. Anything and anyone that's been created by spirit is my family. In any, theory. Any galaxy. So all of those could be our family. Mm-hmm. And maybe even more. It has like for our conversation right now. <laughs> Bring it down. How are you choosing to frame the word family? You know, for me, it's it is interesting. I did a um, oh, for lack of a better word, an intervention last night. A, 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 um, a client had a uh, brother who was struggling with uh, some addictive behaviors, and so the family got together and, you know, kind of did a little TV show, except for they didn't have the van in front to take him to the Malibu Classic, you know, treatment center. But it was interesting to watch this family, brother, sister, mom and dad, and mom and dad divorced years ago, but mom and dad came back, you know, to in this situation to, to do this together as a family. And at the end, um, I found myself saying that... It was such a kind of a, it was sort of, it so, sounds so cheesy, but it was sort of an honor for me to watch the depth of love between this, you know, sort of scattered to the wind family. Mom and dad hadn't seen each other really been in the same room for probably 10 years, right, because they got divorced 15 years ago. Um, brother and sister, because of addiction in the family, had kind of, you know, scattered to the winds and hadn't really been very honest or open with each other. But in those two hours, you know, they really demonstrated a, a tremendous amount of love. And I thought, you know, there's something about our family of origins that there's that opportunity, if if, if participants are willing, um to always be able to go back to that. And it's like they had this shift as a family to kind of reawakening themselves to this sense of we care about each other. We're connected in a way that, you know, defies any other connection because of the biology of it. And we're consciously now saying we see one of our clan in quicksand. And, you know, we might not really even like him that much. But, you know, we we don't want him in quicksand, you know. And at that point of seeing, it brought out this sort of nurturing and, you know, desire to throw the stick out or the rope out. And, you know, gratefully he kind of, you know, grabbed hold. So that's always nicer when it goes that way. Where they yeah. both out of the room, it's kind of sad and depressing. But um, so it was interesting. And I, and I could tell that, you know... I, I walked away feeling like, you know, I'm grateful that I have that sense of my family. You know, we, you know, moment to moment, you know, there's just not much to really like sometimes in all of us. But at the end of the day, um, my biological family would absolutely die for each other. And that's, I don't think everybody has that. And I'm, I'm incredibly and, grateful. And right. And a lot of people have access to that but don't know it. Yes, true that, true that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, or some people know it and think they don't want it because they've never really had to use that mm-hmm. that depth of commitment. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a great example, a great, great example. And I, I don't know, you know, because I have used that phrase a lot, family of choice, and I've done, you know, creating of that. and I And I think, interestingly enough, the foundational rock that I feel with my biological family, I don't quite have that, you know, it's more of a, maybe a spiritual or emotional rock with my family of choice. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an interesting thing that I hadn't really thought about. But in terms of, you know, live or die, kind of, you know, this is the person I will, you know, whatever with, that, I don't know that I have that with my family of choice. Probably I do. 
Maybe I do. <laughs> Maybe you've never thought about it. Think about it, about it, about it for a minute. Now. Would I die for my family of joys? Maybe. Maybe. A couple of them. But, um... <laughs> I have a really large family of choice. You know, I have lots of different people. Lots of people that probably would consider me their family of choice that I probably wouldn't really yeah, so have I, a sense of that. So I, I had a Leslie moment. You said, Did you? Uh-huh. You said, yeah. well, maybe a couple of them. I was like, am I one of those? I love it. <laughs> yes. Good to be you, Tracy Brown. You get to be human. And that was like so not like That's me, not right? like you at all. Like, exactly. That's a Leslie That's moment. Right. Please tell me. Oh, am I one of those? I mean, like, you know, it won't devastate me if I'm not, but I'm just curious. In case, just in case I'm on the cliff, should I call you? (laughs) And it's curious, the, uh, you know, that sense of, um, what is it, you know, just being able to sort of be naked emotionally and how, um, why is that so difficult? What is that that causes us to feel like we have to be or do a certain way to get or uh, keep somebody's affection for us? You know, and I and I think probably even in my family of choice, I do have a sense of I have to be or do or give in a certain way to continue it, right? With my biological family, it's it's pretty clear because of how crazy I have been that, you know, there is nothing that I can do that would ever cause them to say, screw you, goodbye. And that's, you know, there's there's a lot to be said for that because that, you know, creates, you know, that, that level of safety that's really rare. Right. Which is a whole, uh, which is a whole different thing, and it, it begs the question of, how so many people actually live or grow up in families where they have observed that that's not true, right. whether it happened with them or whether it happened with a brother or a sister or, you know, a, a, an aunt or an uncle, you know, to have parents or to have sisters and brothers who have made it absolutely clear that, no, I'm not there for you no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um creates a different dynamic, and it's still the family. So mm-hmm. um, so our our expectations and our assumptions mm-hmm. about how a family should behave mm-hmm. gets grounded in the family we grew up in. Mm-hmm. Or I've talked to, I have a, a few friends who were adopted as, uh, I have a couple of friends who were adopted at birth, so they, you know, never actually ever had interaction with their quote-unquote birth family or biological family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a couple of friends who were adopted as older children who, um, you know, lived in homes or orphanages or, you know, foster homes, a series of foster wow. homes before they were adopted. And so it is interesting that, you know, our our idea about what is family and what can you depend on Mm -hmm. is shaped by those early experiences. So I think a lot of people, uh, well, I I think a lot of people don't have that experience that you have no matter what. It's very rare. No matter what, you know, we are here for you or the family you referred to from last night that, Probably, if you had talked to any of them individually mm-hmm. a month ago or a year ago, oh, yeah. they would not have. I think you're right. They might not have said, "We are there for my family is there for me no matter what." I think you're right. Yeah, but, but then they, when they made came, a push choice. Push came to shove. They were right. That they chose that. No, this is what it means. This mm-hmm. is what I want it to mean. Right. To right. be family. And so, yeah, when I was in my, um, well, my family, you know, was my family. So most of us probably grew up thinking my family is either really, really great or my family is kind of weird. And so I had a mix of those two. (laughs) You know, on some things things Mm -hmm. we were really, really great and a good example. And, you know, 
that, and and I really felt that way. And other things, I was like, this is really kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, which just meant it didn't align with me mm-hmm. and my personality and who I was wanting to be mm-hmm. or how I wanted my life to be. It was kind of like, I don't know about this part. But then, you know, we grow up. It wasn't for me so much in grade school or high school. I mean, I've had friends, and their family dynamics were really different Mm -hmm. than my family. But it wasn't there. It wasn't like, oh, I want to be like Rita's family, or I want to be, you know, like this Michael's family. It wasn't any of that. But when I was in my 20s and I was in a committed relationship and, you know, I spent 13 years with the guy I ended up marrying and his family and their dynamics just fascinated me. (laughs) And they were a family that from, you know, from the moment of birth, every one of those boys, three boys, two parents, every one of those boys knew that, yeah, their mom, their dad would die for them, and they better be willing to die for each other, <laughs> yeah, for yeah. their brothers. And um, and and so when I looked at that, it was just really different. Mm-hmm. It wasn't good or bad. It was just, wow, this is really different. I'm a, now a part of this family. Their dynamics are really different. This is kind of interesting. <laughs> they do exist. Well, it was just like, wow, but it, it still didn't feel like your family is bad and my family is, mm-hmm. or your family is good and my family is bad. It was mm-hmm. just, these dynamics are really different. And I don't have to, and I admit, there were times when it was like, they are just so codependent, mm-hmm. you know? Every vacation had to be spent with his family. Oh, that's amazing. He would only take time off. <laughs> yeah, only. He would only take time off from work to go hang with family or, you know, time off at holidays, which wasn't an issue for me because I liked his family. And I, um, you know, that was a good thing. I liked his family and they liked me yeah, for the most part. Really important. <laughs> right. So hanging out with them was, yeah. was no big deal. It was just like, I don't know, you know, that feels a little like, you know, the two of us aren't just, we're going to go on vacation. Mm-hmm. But we're like stop somewhere on our way to see family and spend three days or four days with family, and then we have a day by ourselves, like because we're driving home. You know, it's like, oh, okay, interesting. So y'all never really kind of created your own sense of family with the two of you, separate uh, aside. From it was an overlap. It was, it was a both overlap. and. Mm-hmm. So we no definitely were. His mentality was very much it's us against the world. Mm-hmm. So we were a family okay. unit. And and that mirror husband and wife, the two of you were a family unit, I guess. Right. Okay. And his, which just mirrored what he grew up with, actually, mm-hmm. you know, looking back 25 years, mm-hmm. it just mirrored what he grew up with. The family is this insular unit mm. that that's who you spend your time with, that's who you trust, that's who you hang out with, that's, who, you know, when you want to go do something fun, you do it with family. And he has lots of acquaintances. But that was the unit, and um, so it was just really very different. So I'm, I'm, I think that was good experience for me to have, young as a young adult, because it freed me from thinking there's only one way for family to be, you know, or the way my family is is the way all families should be. Right. It was like, oh, it's work. This works for them, and mm-hmm. now I'm a part of this group. Mm-hmm. And luckily, it works for me. I cannot imagine. I was going to say, that's funny. I was going to say, I cannot imagine how painful that would would have been if I didn't like his family, right? That would have been hard. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But the thought that went through my mind that made me hesitate was, well, maybe they didn't like me. (laughs) (laughs) And they were just... Because he loved me, because he loved me, they accepted me. Surely you would have been able to intuitively. Yeah, but that's funny how that thought went through my head. Yeah, there you go. You're being very Leslie today. There was was such a tight unit Mm -hmm. that, you know, I could see the mindset of, well, we've got to accept her. That's right. Fred brought her. So we got to find, you know, Mm -hmm. some way to make this work. But no, actually, I have no doubt um, that that we actually had an authentic, like like love love relationship. Because even after the divorce, I was still like in relationship 
with every member of his family for a while. So mm-hmm. Good, Tracy. I affirm that for you as well. <laughs> I really loved you. Yes, they really did. Two little Leslie is Well, I really family. loved them. Yeah, there you go. And you know what? That's an interesting thing that comes to mind in terms of, you know, in that time of your life, mm-hmm. that was, a you know, a very um, grounding, foundational kind of group of people. And now where are they? Any ideas? Oh, yeah. Oh, you still do? You still know? Well, them? I know where they are. But, you I'm, know, connect I'm with them. You're not in a regular com- Well, his parents have passed on. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah. And because they're such a tight clan... He swore them to, he made them make a choice of loyalty. So if he wasn't with me anymore, they, they were being disloyal if they maintained relationships with me. So that's okay. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. A little, oh, dear. A little oh, dear. tendency. Yeah, there you, you go. There you go. And so that doesn't mean that we ended relationships immediately, but over the years right. it just, you know, became a little complicated Right. So when he got remarried, and then if my name came up, and then, you know, someone accidentally said, oh, yeah, I talked to her a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, it wasn't worth the anger and the we are accusations of disloyalty. Are we funny people? Yeah. And I get that, I mean, because I know them, right? right? But by then, I was actually really clear that, you know, yeah, I, I have been and always will be a part of their family, mm-hmm. extended family, the, part of the historical chain of that family. Um, and it's like when someone dies. So I, I said my both of, you know, my, that my dad has made his transition. His physical body is gone. He has died, as we talk about it in human form. And I still communicate with him, right? I'm still connected to him. So that energetic connection mm-hmm. is still there. Right. And so in that way, it's like, oh, that doesn't die. That doesn't go away. That doesn't change. And it's a ponder if we're really saying yes to spirit, if we're really staying in the spiritual oneness, then all of these kind of human, oh, gosh, this sounds like something really bad that I'm about to say. But all these human boundaries yeah. that as a therapist I help people create, um, <laughs> you know, aren't really necessary ultimately. I mean, certainly when I'm when I'm learning how to, you know, be in a healthy relationship, take care of myself and my needs and, you know, understand my value, you know, if someone's not, you know, honoring that, then I have to set that boundary that I deserve, you know, good things. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if I'm in the oneness, you know, people can bounce in and out and all around, and I can stay steady in that kind of spiritual um, grounding, I guess. And, you know, when we think about sort of how families, how the idea of family and the idea of, you know, maintaining sort of this um, protection sort of around ourselves mm-hmm. and able to sort of insulate myself from someone else coming in and that's sort of like the, the, uh, the anti-God, the anti-spirit. It's an interesting both and Re-free. like like uh, in terms of if I'm if I'm completely one with spirit, then you know people could bounce around and come and go. There's I don't have to I don't have to protect myself. When I get into protecting myself mode, I'm I think I'm in the human. Then therefore, if I'm protecting myself, it's it's implying that you could actually do something to harm me. And if I'm totally grounded in the truth of who I am. You could come, you could go, you could do, you could be, and I'm just like, wow, that's interesting to watch. That's like a pinball machine. Ooh, so sorry for her or him. But I'm grounded. I'm not dependent on your pinball machine. And I think sometimes in families we get so caught up in, you know, working with the women at the jail, you know, they are very 
most of their lives, you know, the ripple effect of their lives has been families of addiction and, you know, their parents were addicted or their parents were incarcerated or their parents. And being so caught up in the effect of that in the here and now, there's a tremendous, and I really do believe, you know, the trauma drama of the past, ultimately, if we're still kind of on automatic pilot from that, we will crash into the mountain. And I think we have to do therapy work, spiritual work around that. But once we heal that original core trauma, the recreating of that or the or the day-to-day protection of that sort of just is kind of funny that we allow that to be so prevalent instead of saying, oh, you know, my mom's a heroin addict, so, you know, once I've done my work and, and done my inner child work, which I like, but whatever work it is to do the trauma work beyond what happened to me when I was three because of that. But now that I'm 43, you know, I can kind of watch it like a movie. Isn't that interesting? Mom is nuts. And I have to make that about me. Did did I sound like my mother? She's not really a heroin addict. That's not true. But the nutty part is really true with my mom. But but I would die for her. But she's a nut. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's all I can say about that is, yeah. Um, So I'm just processing some of that Mm -hmm. in this moment in real time. Feel free, the real depth of the meaning behind all the metaphors. Yeah, well, so what's, what's going back and forth that's trying to process in real time is the piece about Yes, our, we're spiritual beings. We're having a human experience. Blah 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 blah. Cliche, cliche, cliche. Ah! Don't say cliche, cliche, cliche. Well, and that's truth, all there is. Okay, go ahead. And on. truth, truth, truth. That we are spiritual beings at our essence. Right. And we are having. We're in earth suits and we're having a human experience. So, a part of the human experience does require us, in my thinking as I'm processing this, does require us to establish certain kinds of boundaries. But where I'm where I think I'm aligning with what you were saying is establishing boundaries looks may look the same. But where is that boundary setting coming from? The intention of it. Right. If underneath it I'm setting a boundary to to keep you out or to protect myself because I'm, I really think you can hurt me, mm-hmm. then I'm in kingdom one consciousness, I'm a victim. Fear, yes. If I'm setting a boundary because I'm really clear who I am and what I will accept in my life and and it's about me affecting and creating a flow in my life that really is not because, I mean, you're doing something that is pushing against that, but it's not because I need your approval or I'm afraid of you. It's really because this is what I need in order for my life to flow in the way that I am choosing for it to flow. I'm not mad at you. I'm not afraid of you. It's just this is the choice I'm making. Mm -hmm. It would look the same. But the second example is, it's well, it's it's about me. It's not about you. It's not really about you. Um, and so for me, that feels you. just a, you're in a healthy. different state. Yeah, and that feels much more from for me. It feels much more mm-hmm. like it's you know I'm not doing it to make you mad. I'm not even doing it to force you to change your behavior. I'm not doing it because I'm afraid of you. I'm doing it for what I perceive to be not from an arrogant place, but from a conscious and wholehearted place of this is in my best interest on my life journey. And I'm sorry if you're upset about it. I'm sorry if you don't understand. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just because I have a, I'm in relationship with you, or in this case, because you're in my family. I get that, but it's really like 
kind of not in judgment of you. It's not about you. It's really about me. And, yes, I agree with you. If I'm doing it from kingdom unconsciousness, it is about me, but it's in reaction to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's all about being in reaction <laughs> to you and being in, as you said already, fear mm-hmm. or anger or uh, some emotion that is a reaction to um, more of a reaction to you than a I wish I could think of an R word. <laughs> Response? More than a choice of mm-hmm. of who I am. And so that's going to be working in the back of my mind because <laughs> I love alliteration. I know there's an R word in there. Choice means choice. And isn't that, you know, that is that's such a good reminder for me in terms of, you know, am I in reaction or am I in choice? And and to understand that, you know, even when I'm reacting, that is still my choice. That's a huge, huge, huge thing to remember. And this concept, I do this interesting um, exercise, the first class with the women when they come into the um, pod at the jail that we go through identifying false beliefs that we learned when we were little itty-bitty. Mm-hmm. And we talk about this concept of even if I had, you know, uh, a fantastic quote-unquote upbringing and mom and dad were there and, you know, brownies were served and homework was helped with, you know, that there still could be false beliefs in terms of, you know, bees aren't good enough or family secrets, you know, we keep secrets uh, in more dramatic kind of family situations, you know, we might have the false beliefs of, you know, I'm not lovable or I'm not good enough. And so to kind of ripple effect out how those false beliefs come into play in my adult life. It's a really cool thing. We come up with, I have them come up with 10 false beliefs that they got when they were little. And then they do 10 affirmations for each false belief to shift that energy, to shift that false belief. And then they work with those 100 personal affirmations over the course of the next You do that in the very first class. Very first class. Oh, those poor folks. I tell you, you know, you don't know how long you're going to have them. We don't know how long we're going to have them. So it is kind of like dive in. Don't wow. don't step in. But it is, and, you know, it is, it, it kind of shocks. It's kind of like shock therapy because it shocks you into seeing when you really look at how those false beliefs, and then the interesting thing, and I left out the step, that's really interesting, when you, you look at your ten false beliefs, you know, I'm not lovable, you know, I'm not cared for, my my needs don't matter, uh, you know, nobody listens to me, I, my, I'm supposed to be in fear of adults. If you, then the next thing after you look at those ten beliefs, you think, okay, if you really believe that, how are you going to act in the world? Right. Well, clearly you're going to, you know, medicate with drugs. You're going to drop out of school. You're going to, you know, get in bad relationships. You're going to... So it's almost like a sort of an initial get-out-of-jail-free card because you can see if I... Operating off of these false beliefs, there was no way I couldn't act out in all these really self-destructive manners. So, but now suddenly, bam, okay, now I'm aware that this is what has been happening, the automatic pilot flying into the, you know, mountain. Okay, now, here's my 100 affirmations. Here's how you readjust the... I like that metaphor of the mountain. You like, do today. I see it, too, and just, it, it seems relieving in a strange way. That can't be good. That can't be good. But anyway, so the, the 100 affirmations are the things that can kind of readjust the automatic pilot settings if I choose to use them, right? 100 affirmations. 100 personalized affirmations to reprogram your particular brain, my particular brain. And it's funny, women, you know, sadly enough, will come back to jail after they get out and come back to the program. And they'll say things like, you know, I was using my affirmations at first, and then, you know, I fell off, or I was... And it's really kind of fascinating, because I've had a couple of women get involved at the Center for Spiritual Living. And I think it's like like the most perfect kind of uh, reentry plan would be for people who are incarcerated to get into some sort of science of mind community because it does afford that kind of retraining the mind and creating the ritual of, you know, um, understanding how co-creation works because 
you know, given just kind of the world re-entry that they have, usually the onslaught of, oh, my goodness, you know, I have to pay these fees, I have to do all this stuff for the probation, I have to do all these classes, it's too much. And if they don't have anything to kind of bring them out of that and give them affirming choice and understanding, you know, that their mind is creating their reality, um, you know, they can get lost pretty quick. And it seems to me that it also is really, that it would be important to see other people actually living in that way. Yes. So if I came to jail and really more, most of the people I know have had the same lifestyle that led me to that place. Absolutely, right. So I get some new ways of thinking Mm -hmm. while I'm in jail, but then when I'm released, I'm going right back Mm -hmm. into relationship and activity with all the, you know, same people Mm -hmm. I knew before. Mm -hmm. It's like that was a good idea, but I don't see it happening, and I'm the only one who's different. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, being a part of a spiritual community that is modeling some of those principles mm-hmm. and using affirmations and 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 approaching human life from a spiritual perspective could be really critical mm-hmm. for someone, as you said, integrating it into now I have all these things to do and really it's on me. Mm-hmm. I don't have Leslie coming in twice a week or three times a week or five days a week to tell me what to do next mm-hmm. or to keep me moving in this direction. Right. So um, so let's talk a little bit about what happens in, in church families because, you know, one yeah. of the things that crazy. Um, crazy. well, one of the things <laughs> that it's just like our biological family, like you know, where many of us are raised in one kind of religion or church, and that becomes a family uh, of sorts. And then you know, we may stay with that our entire lives. Neither you nor I have made that mm-hmm. choice. We've gone in lots of different directions over the decades, and. Um, and whatever, and I have a minister. I have a I have a minister who's a sister. I have a sister <laughs> who is an ordained minister, right. and um, you know, and she has reminded me over the years through her experiences that yeah, you know, people in a church are just like any other family that they may love each other dearly and deeply, and they're crazy. And they think just crazy, yeah. Right, and you know, and the dynamics of judgment and the, all the human mm-hmm. emotions of fear and anger and jealousy and, um, you know, creating expectations and acting out on false beliefs that were planted, mm-hmm. you know, when people were, were tiny, mm-hmm. um, that that plays out. So uh, the thing that now I laugh about, and actually I have to be careful because I've noticed a few months ago, I actually laughed out loud. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And somebody was Adam. really serious, and, mm-hmm. and, and I had ended up, like, backtracking and apologizing. Because <laughs> it was funny talk. I didn't mean to laugh out loud. <laughs> you. came out. <laughs> right. I re- it was just the scenario. <laughs> but someone who, you know, had been, um, had been coming to church for, a, you know, attending their church, and then they started volunteering, and they were having a good experience, and then they signed up to be a ministry team leader. And, and they saw they behind the Right, behind the curtain, a you know. Tiny and they're like, this yeah. is a church. People, you know, shouldn't be acting this way. And, and I agree with her. And there's a higher standard. You know, and, and this person doesn't like this person and and this person, you know, barks at this person and behaves so differently than I and I'm like, Welcome to leadership, right? But I just cannot I cannot embrace that that is the way it that that, that Or it doesn't I have to be. That. I have a higher expectation. It doesn't have to be that yes, way. But yes. 
it is that way mostly more often than not. Without a doubt. And um, in this particular instance, it was not at, it was someone who I was talking with who was not at the Center for Spiritual Living. No, that's a good disclaimer, yes. However, it's true at the Center for Spiritual Living Dallas. It's true at every every place you have people together. And that, you know, you get, quote, unquote, like you said, behind the curtain, the Wizard of Oz is human just like everybody else. And as as a licensed practitioner, what I find myself saying to people often is, I am human just like you. What my training does is remind you is hopefully what it does, what it's supposed to do, Make you is act like. give me, get me out of the human downward spiral quicker, faster. That mm-hmm. I will notice mm-hmm. that I am behaving in a way that's not reflecting spirit faster. Right. And that I have tools to use <laughs> and that I will choose to use those tools. Right. And I'll reach out for help. It's like, okay, that's what you hope will be different in a in a church community or in a church family. Yes. That people will at maybe at work things will go on and escalate. What you hope is that in a church family that people could have honest conversations, that people could go back to scripture or remind each other of right. the truth and, and have a language that would support that and that everybody would kind of be on the same page of, oh, thank you for that reminder. Versus and then move through it. Get the hell out of my face. Yeah. Right. And not, you know, and not do the behaviors, that, the triangulation or the, you know, holding the grudges and all of that. That that you would see much less of that right. in your church in your family or in your spiritual community. Um, but I don't think it's realistic because we're having the human experience to say it would never happen. Right, right, right. But that's the opportunity, at least for me, what I I try to remember is that's where my opportunity is right. to apply the spiritual principle and to, and to hold it up and say, this is what I see happening here. How can, and ask the question, or, you know, how can we bring spiritual principle to this? Or um, are you willing to explore with me mm-hmm. this from this perspective. And, you know, I've asked that question before and had people say, no, she was just wrong. <laughs> and if you're going to take her side, then I don't have anything to say to you either. They flipped their hair like that? She flipped yeah. her head. There you go. <laughs> you're going to take her side, you know, so which you know, any time the idea of taking sides comes up, my standard response at this stage of my life mm-hmm. is, well, that's very interesting because what I believe is there are no sides in a circle. And we are living together in the circle of God. You should say, call again, but you give them my number and say, Leslie knows there's good and bad and right and wrong, and you should have a nice conversation with her, and those people are clearly screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a circle. That's, that's, that's deeply profound. You know, again, bringing that idea of family and how do I, because certainly church families, you know, um, Al-Anon, they actually say Al-Anon family group. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, a real clear alignment with their trying to create healthy families and 12-step programs and that sort of sense of of warm fuzziness. Um, But I keep coming back to this concept that if I, stay in the truth and the core and the light and the love of who I am, then there really is a universalism to the whole family concept and there's just nothing that can rock me from my, you know, my knowing, you know, I'm okay. The autopilot might look like it's set at the mountain, but, you know, the very last minute, God, spirit, truth will pull out and I'll go, Flying above the mountain. It's just like an adrenaline rush, maybe, seeing the mountain and thinking, oh, it's going to be such a relief when I hit it and it can just all be over. But then, you know, at the very 11th hour, <laughs> that's addiction. Sitting of that, make, oh, is that it? Is that addiction? The adrenaline of, it's all going away. 
And then suddenly, oh no, it's or perfect. or uh, maybe a I think nicer it's crazy. way of saying that is just crazy. That is putting deteriorating. Nine one one God category. Well, I think it's you know. I, I am on a definite path <laughs> to fly right into the mountain, but I know at the very last minute, nine one. I'll my my deepest part of spirit will energetically dial nine one one, and God will just reach down and pull me up from the mountain. Well, yes and no. I mean, I've actually had conversations with my angels and my spirit saying, "Is isn't my human experience fun for you?" I mean, I really think they just enjoy it because I'm such a challenge. I'm such. A, I think I think the angels on the, the other side are like, it's a fun ride because my mind is so extreme, and they, you know, they have to they have to ride it with me because I'm, you know, ultimately. But they have to. It's their job. They are they They're are angels. on my ride. Exactly right. They are on my human experience. And my and human. Like, what did I maybe find Clearly, I raised my hand at the wrong time on Soul Day. What soul do I want to follow? But it is, to me, it is, you know, so, such a game. But anyway, it's a it's a game of, uh, it's a game where the ending is guaranteed. I can't lose the game at the end of the day. It's impossible to lose the game. It's impossible to lose the game, which kind of takes the fun out of it. And I had a really interesting conversation with someone earlier in the week that believes, you know, it's all a hologram, deeply. And um, and that can be a little a little sort of sad to me <laughs> if I go there too far. I do have to believe there's meaning in the game, but I believe it's a game. But I give the game meaning, which makes it better for me. Exactly. There is meaning in the game. The meaning that you <laughs> it's a hologram. Define. <laughs> learn it's a hologram. Mm-hmm. The meaning you define. So um, a few days ago, I watched a movie called Origin, a, a documentary film, another one of those, you know, let's, we have a concept, you know, the, the secret started, actually what the bleep probably really started this trend toward, we have this concept and then we're going to have these different we'll talking find experts. heads, yeah. right. Um, but the secret really put that on the map because mm-hmm. what the bleep still had story yeah. and acting uh-huh. and all of that. So, um and so this film, Origins, is about, has the premise that now is our time as the human race to be more mindful and to remember our origins and what allowed our uh, biological ancestry to survive and mm. thrive as an animal as a creature, as a human being. And and so it goes back all the way to, you know, the southern tip of Africa where basically, you know, scientists Adam have, and Eve started? No. have traced, you know, the gene, kind of the, the gene history of Homo sapiens back to that, that point. And the idea that what allowed man, humanity, what allowed man to um, grow and to thrive was, you know, being in in a symbiotic relationship with nature yes. and eating natural oh, and right. whole foods and physical activity and that there was, you know, this this balance that had to occur. And then as, of course, we've gotten to the point where we are more sim- we consider ourselves symbiotic with technology mm-hmm. more so than nature and how all the food we eat all the processed food and even the a lot of the food that appears to be natural you know it's grown with an- with insecticides and antibiotics mm-hmm. and you know the meats we eat that mm-hmm. you know so it it's really about food and exercise and shifting our whole mindset. It it does a good job of saying technology is not bad. It's it's not an attack on technology. Mm-hmm. It's just the reminder of why it's so important for us to eat healthy and that we really have shifted the balance between human and nature to a point where we we can kill the planet. We are 
automatic pilot to go into the mountain if we don't do something as a society. It, it does have that tone, yes. yes. And then, you know, it focuses on that. But as I think about my feelings and my thoughts as I was watching the film, and it, you can find it on YouTube, you can find a link to it if, if the film is not still up, um, but its origins is the name of the documentary, or you can go to well, W-E-L-L dot org, I think it is, the guy who produced the film, it's his website, and I thought, you know, really this is about the human family, mm-hmm. my, my being a part of a family called all human beings, mm-hmm. and what are we doing, and how are we interacting with one another, and, you know, I think about that on and off, more related to the work I do with diversity and inclusion and that, you know, all human beings deserve respect and deserve an opportunity to grow. My work as a practitioner, too, it's, you know, it's about everyone deserves to live a life they love. And so how can you bring your spiritual beliefs into alignment with the way you behave so that you have a life you love? Right. And Origins, just the film, just took that, you know, I found myself thinking about the human family and how a choice made in the cornfields of Iowa impacts people in the rice fields in Asia and how really it's all the same and, um, and how not all the same like mirror image, but it's all the same domino effect. Mm Mm-hmm that what we do in any part of the world affects the whole world. And um, and there, there was one part where they did do a comparison of, you know, the rates of disease and obesity and, di- you know, diabetes and other di- heart disease in, you know, the, the more... McDonald's? The, the, the creation of fast food? The more industrialized, <laughs> you know, theoretically more advanced countries compared to, you know, villages or so they're living to be a still. Right. Mm-hmm. And healthy. Or they, you know, are living a natural biological in terms of your physical body. You know, they might they might live six only sixty years, but they didn't die of Right. You know, they died of the natural progression of their body and right. what was appropriate and right. you know, they didn't die of high cholesterol or right. They weren't obese. The right. whole culture as right. a group is not, you know, morbidly obese. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was just great for, it was a great connection for me um, that, yes, I am part of the human family. Right. And to have that feeling of, you know, giving meaning to the experience of life and, and giving a sense of that I'm, there's some, that I'm part of this greater humanity, I'm remembering a, Specialized, I think, on NPR about this. Why are all things that I hear so wonderful in, in Switzerland? I think it was a Swiss, Swiss city where they had these people that were all living to be 102, 110. And, and the most interesting thing that they found, and this was maybe three, 400 people in this community, is that as a group, at the end of the day, they had pockets where they would come together not just biological family, 60 people, and share a glass of wine or some cheese or something and share the experience of their day as a global, within their little tiny globe, community. So that that engendered some sort of well-being that allowed their physical bodies to manifest longevity. Yeah, that whole, you know, relationship of we are wired, even those of us who fancy ourselves as loners birds and um you know that that there is a part of us that is wired for relationship yes. that has a certain quality, a qualitative yes. experience of relationship. 
And in an ideal world, we get that from our family of origin. <laughs> good, get, good circle back there, Tracy. Um, Very but it's always available to us. So I love the, this conversation and, and how it's woven, biological family, family choice, church family, human family, that it is all a way of us, a way for us to be connected yes. and to experience the love of God in ourselves and in other people. True that. Put an exclamation point. Good. Capital G O O D. <laughs> That's all the time we have for today's Say Yes to Spirit focused on family. Please join us again, but until then, say, say yes, yes to, to spirit. spirit.